The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Wednesday, August 19th. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. There were a lot of busts in the first two rounds last year. I think you could say there were maybe maybe half the picks were busts. So we're going to give you uh, some of the biggest busts that we expect in 2020. Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, and Ben Gretsch. Oh, man. So we're going to go through those first two rounds last year and see how many there were and what kind of lessons we can learn. But uh, yeah, we're going to help people avoid those traps. Heath, what do you? what's a red flag for you when you're looking at busts? What's something that's like, uh-oh, this is going to be a problem? Um, it, like if I have a hard time imagining how a player is going to be better than where they're drafted, like it's one thing if their mean expectation is lower than where they're being drafted. If, if you don't have to be that creative to imagine them justifying ADP or being better than ADP, then you can overlook that. But if their mean expectation is below where they're being drafted and it takes a lot of creativity to see them ever exceeding where they're being drafted, then I'm, I'm out. Give me an example. Uh, well, like my biggest bust is going to be Lamar Jackson slash Patrick Mahomes on CBS right now because it's not changing. They're both still being taken in the first six or seven picks. Oh and my. the mean expectation is that they're worth about a third round pick this year. And you, I guess you don't have to be that creative because you can just say, well, look what they did last year. Look what they did two years ago. But it would also be like 20% better than what anyone else ever did, and no one's ever repeated that. Other than the way I expect, it, I expect to be treated on this podcast, what is the mean expectation? <laughs> how, would you, how would you define the, it? The most likely outcome. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, Ben Gretsch and Jamie are also here. Let's talk about a couple of news items, Jamie. Miles Sanders, ah, lower body injury, and he's week to week. They say he's going to be ready for week one. Are you dropping him down your board? Uh, I'm struggling with it. You know, I, I think it's uh, he's in that spot where, you know, you're in the back half of the first round and, you know, I guess the middle to the back half of, first, of the first round where – there, there are pros and cons for all the guys around him. Uh, you know, for me, it's non-PPR, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. And if he's not right, it's hard to say he should go ahead of all those guys. Um, you know, so they all have the, the upside to be really good in PPR. You know, you, you throw in Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler, and it's the same thing. So, you know, I, I still think he's somebody that you look for in the first round, but this, this is a, a concern. And so, you know, you don't want to take a player that, is starting to have injury concerns now, especially the fact the, the week to week thing is, is the troubling part. You know, they, they, they were quick to label Boston Scott day to day for whatever reason that he's, whatever thing he's dealing with his lower body injury. Why is Miles Sanders week to week? Is it just precaution or is there really, really something that he's dealing with? And he got hurt last year in training camp and he got hurt in week 17 last year, which was only his seventh game as a starter. 
So do we have injury concerns with Miles Sanders? And Ben, where are you? I know we all love Miles Sanders here, but what about you? Are you moving him down? Yeah, I'll be a little bit less likely to just snatch him up at around the seven or eight pick, at least for the next little bit until we get some clarity. I mean, I, I think when I hear a report like this that's so vague that says, you know, week to week, lower body, it's not really clarifying anything. It can immediately be like, oh, this could spiral out of control and be something really serious. But it could also just be the coaches basically saying we're not going to overwork the guy that we've been saying all offseason is going to be our workhorse running back. And if there is a preseason in any other year, we see tons of teams not use their running backs all through August. They don't use them in the preseason. Some backs only get like a couple of carries that all four preseason games, some get zero, just outright don't get any. And, and it's not really made a big deal of it. Obviously we're talking about uh, a report of a lower body injury right now. But it wouldn't be that surprising if it was a way for the Eagles to just be like, hey, we're not going to overwork him right now. We're going to be cautious. We're going to make sure he's ready for week one. Heath, final word? I just worry, because we talk about this with guys that aren't injured, just guys that are holding out, that they're more susceptible to a soft tissue issue injury early in the season. If he's like, let's week to week right now. So if it's one week and he's back out practicing next week, it's probably not a big deal. But if he goes a couple of weeks without practicing, we've already seen a ton of injuries here at the start of like the first real football part of camp because these guys haven't been allowed to do anything. So what I said on HQ today was like, for me, this is the clincher that if I'm faced with that decision at the end of round one, I'm just going to take Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams or Tyree Kill or Julio Jones or Travis Kelsey. Over Miles not, necessi- not necessarily moving a running back that I didn't have ahead of Sanders ahead of him now. I'm just going to take one of those pass catchers. Okay. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That was actually my next question. So thank you for answering it. And one of those pass catchers got hurt today. Devontae Adams hurt a lower body part. Might have been a leg. Might have been an ankle. They're all connected. Uh, as of right now, it doesn't seem serious. This is about 3 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday afternoon, but Devontae Adams is a little banged up. We have more news for you later in the show. Are the Patriots going to rotate their quarterbacks? Some insight on the Bears quarterback situation, a Dalvin Cook item, Chargers backfield, Redskins backfield, um, Paris Campbell getting some love, Van Jefferson getting some love. We'll talk all about that. Let's play a game called Was He a Bust? So we'll look at Fantasy Football Calculator ADP from last year, half PPR, first two rounds. And tell me, was he a bust? Number one overall was Saquon Barkley. Was he a bust? Bust. Yes? Man, it's so hard to justify, like, because he was he was so good in the fantasy playoffs. I know, he really was. But he, and so it's so like, not if, great if you got there, that. he probably won you a title. But there also is a very other side of it, you know, a big other side of it that he cost you from getting to the playoffs. So uh, I guess by definition, he's probably a bust because he he didn't you know deliver top 5 production over the course of the season but you you you've probably still cashed if he uh, if he helped you uh, get there to the end of the year. Yeah, it's just a matter of whether you consider injuries busts, I guess. Because as far as a player, he was fine when he was healthy early in the season and late in the season. All right, but well, we're going we're going to call him a bust, Saquon Barkley, which means we have to call Alvin Kamara a bust. So the top 2 picks were busts. McCaffrey was 3, Zeke was 4, they were good. David Johnson was a bust. Bust. James Conner was a bust. Bust. Le'Veon Bell was a bust. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess so. He, oh, come on, Heath. <laughs> oh, come on. He scored fewer he's fantasy bust. points than both Barkley and Kamara. He so. stayed healthy. Well, he's he should clear bust. He should score fewer fantasy points. He was drafted after them, and he played 15 games. They played 13. It's not that much different. He was RB17 in half PPRs. RB17? Yeah, I've called him a bust. Nick Chubb, no. Devontae Adams, yes. Wide receiver 24. Got to call him a bust. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Here's an interesting one. DeAndre Hopkins. So he finished his wide receiver five last year, but he averaged 2.75 fewer fantasy points than he did in his per game and half PPR than he did in his like great seasons where he was always over 17 fantasy points per game. He was like 14 and a half fantasy points per game or something like that. So finished as a top five receiver. What what do you say about Devontae Adams? Bust or no bust? Uh, Sorry, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. I'd say no. No. No? Yeah, I don't think you can call top five receiver a bust. It's just variance. Okay. Barkley, Kamara, Johnson, Connor, Bell, Adams. That's six busts in round one. Round two, Dalvin Cook, no. Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah. Bust. bust. Another injury bust. These are all injury busts so far. I mean, a lot of them have. Well, Juju was a quarterback injury bust, mostly. He also missed four games, though. Well, in his own injury. He but was he, pretty good he was, through the first six games or so. I think his per game average was was well below top twelve receiver though. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He had two games where they didn't throw downfield, but every other game in the start, he had at least seventy five yards, but he didn't have any like one hundred and fifty yard games. So it was like he was consistent. He was a but bust. Great. <laughs> he was yeah. a bust. <laughs> Definitely Todd, a bust. Todd Gurley. I don't think so. Nah, I'd say no. Right. He was running back fourteen. No. He was the fifteenth pick. Uh, well. He was picked like running back eight and he finished running back 14. I think that's just variance, as we said with DeAndre Hopkins. It's different with running back because there's more injuries. There were more busts ahead of him. I, Don, I think DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver. Heath, you say every, all the time when we talk about projections, if a guy plays 16 games, he's going to, you know, a guy like this, he's going to finish in the top 12 running backs. This guy didn't even get in the top 12 running backs. I think if Ben has decided he's a bust this year, that he was definitely a bust last year. Uh, I think Ben's outvoted. Gurley's not a bust. <laughs> Beckham. Beckham? Uh, yeah, he's yeah. a bust, right? Oh, yeah. Beckham for sure. Gurley's win rate in uh, best balls, by the way, was 4.4% last year. Just that's atrocious. Tyreek Hill? Bust. Sure. Injury yeah. bust. Yeah. Fine when healthy. Travis Kelsey, no. Joe Mixon, no. Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Bust. Yeah. Bust. Yeah. Leonard Fournette? No. Um, Mike Evans? I think I, I think I'm gonna no. go no, even though he missed some no, time. Right? No, yeah, no, not even close. Ooh, tough one here. Antonio Brown, total bust. bust. <laughs> tough one. He played one he game. He was good. He was great on a per game basis. Uh, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. And Adam Thielen, bust. So that's Juju Beckham, Hill, Mahomes, Brown, and Thielen. That is six. That's half of the first two rounds were busts, but thankfully most of them were injury busts. Who was not an injury bust? David Johnson. Le'Veon Bell. Was. David Johnson missed time. But, but he also he was, just like straight before, up got benched. But before he was yeah. hurt, he was like a top six running back, right? Yes. He was fourth yeah, through the first four games. He, I'm sorry. Through the first four games, he was number eight running back in PPR. The game where the, the tide shifted, he started, if you guys will recall, in that New York Giants game, played a couple snaps, and then Chase Edmonds just took over, and then they traded for Kenyon Drake. I really think it had a lot more to do with his play that led to them being like, we're going a different direction. He was He was hurt too, but... That, that'd be my. But wasn't that the game where we they screwed with us? Yeah, right? they started they him, and, and he right he wasn't yeah. fine. 
and then he missed the next week. But uh, he's interesting because I like he he did come back from injury and they just didn't play him. That's why I put Johnson as like a non-injury bust. But all right, fair enough. I mean, what about James Conner? Was he an injury bust or a non-injury bust? Injury bust. Injury bust. But also, I mean, you know, the quarterback situation didn't help. Le'Veon Bell, non-injury bust. Juju, what did we decide on him? Injury bust because of his quarterback. I think the only players... All right, maybe David Johnson, definitely Le'Veon Bell, definitely Beckham, probably Thielen, and that might be it. Most of these guys were bust because they were because they were hurt or their quarterback got hurt, so that's actually a little bit encouraging. You're saying Thielen wasn't an injury bust? He definitely was. Absolutely was. He missed so much time with yeah, the hamstring. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, no, because I think when Thielen came... It depends. When Thielen came back, he played some games where he wasn't healthy, barely got any snaps, came out. He's the perfect comp for David Johnson. Like, good good in a weird kind of way before they got hurt, missed time, and then came back and weren't really used. All right. So almost every bust, which was half of the first two rounds, was injury-related. And that, again, is is encouraging. It means we drafted well. Um, all right, let's go through our biggest busts. Heath, yeah, let's start with the quarterbacks, if you want to expand a little bit more on that. Mahomes and Jackson. So... Nobody here is going to advocate for them going in the top six picks. But on Fantasy Pros and on NFC, we're talking about middle of the second round, anywhere from like 16 to 20th overall. You think that's okay? The the problem with that, like, and I guess you could almost make the argument for Lamar Jackson, but I think like just looking at regression, he's likely to lose 10 passing touchdowns and a couple hundred rushing yards from this year, which is could still make him the number one quarterback in four points per pass touchdown leagues, which is what I believe fantasy pros and NFC mostly are, but it wouldn't be the number one quarterback by a ton. It wouldn't, there wouldn't be any reason to separate him from Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson by two or three rounds. He should just be drafted at the start of that group based on those expectations. And it could be a lot worse than that. We saw it with Mahomes, like even when he was healthy, I'm sorry, the four or five games before he got hurt the first time, he was justifying that cost. But he's just, you you can't go into it with the expectation they've got to have an 8% touchdown rate and average nine yards per attempt to justify the ADP. And that's what both of these guys would have to do to justify their ADP. Uh, in the middle of the second round, you're saying? I think in the middle of the second round, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I guess if I were going to counter that, I would just say you could look at a lot of guys who are being drafted in the middle of the second round and have plenty of question marks about them, right? Aaron Jones and Juju Smith-Schuster and DeAndre Hopkins and Chris Godwin. And why not just take Patrick Mahomes? If, if you're not drafting someone that you think is incredibly safe, why not just take a quarterback there? Those, the players at the other positions, aren't. you're not going to feel better about them later in the draft. You're not going to feel better about the position later. There's a much bigger drop-off at running back and wide receiver than there is at quarterback. Right. This is a discussion I think we get into, uh, a problem we get into with all of our discussions, frankly, is that we just talk about the the, um, alternatives at the specific pick and not about how it affects your entire draft. That's one less elite running back or one less elite wide receiver, no matter how you slice it. Not Mahomes versus those guys, but at the end of the draft, if you went Mahomes over those guys, you're going to have one less really high-end player at one of those other positions, like he said. And and then you're replacing it with a later option at those positions that would have been your quarterback pick. Like, it changes your whole roster. I get it's that. Just, it's just easier to find quarterbacks. I mean, you know, you're not going to find Mahomes and Jackson, but it's just easier to find those guys. I mean, you go back to, to last year, and even if you take Lamar, the, the equation, if Lamar Jackson didn't have the year that he had, 
what would we be saying about the year Jameis Winston had? Like Jameis was awesome last year for fantasy. And he was, I think, the 13th quarterback off the board. Yep. You know, so you're you're talking about a guy that threw for 5,000 yards. And so, um, again, that's hard to find too. But you have, we've said this time and time again, the throwers of Stafford and and Roethlisberger and Goff, the runners of Daniel Jones and Cam Newton and and Minshew and uh, maybe Tyrod, depending on how many games he starts, you know. So there there's so many other other ways to go at that position that you shouldn't have to reach for quarterback, which is why I think Heath is right to call those guys busts and why it's in your best interest to take those other positions at those spots. Okay. Do you guys ever feel though, like, man, I never get Magic Mahomes or Lamar Jackson and that yeah, really sucks. They're awesome. <laughs> I know. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the scenario. You know, we, the stories are up on the site right now, you know, so we're doing, and we just got finished talking about this a lot, you know, so let's, let's pull back the curtain for a second. So we've been doing a lot of mock drafts and, and this is not just, August. This is, you know, going back to uh, since the end of the NFL draft, you know, we've had to fill a lot of content on our site because of the circumstances surrounding sports around the league, sports around the world. And we, we've done more mock drafts. We're, we're oversaturated ourselves with mock drafts. And uh, Ben and I, the conversation that we we're having was, we, and we said, we joke about this. We know everybody's picks. So Ben, Heath, myself, and Dave are doing this pick by pick series. And what are we doing in the pick by pick series? We're drafting Three separate teams against each other. So imagine knowing what everybody's going to do, and now everybody has the control over three rosters in the same format. So I've taken Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes, I think, twice in the two two times that we've done it. And it feels good to do it. It honestly yeah. does. But it feels good to do it in the third round, not the first round, not the second round. You know, And, and that's where I think the difference comes into play. You're not going to get those guys in round three in most of your drafts. But round two, if you're so inclined, then take them in round two. But just don't take them at six and seven like we're seeing on our ADP. Right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Uh, ben, who is your biggest bust? One that you really want to highlight? Leonard Fournette. Um, 100 targets last year. And just looking at his workload, he would be like the greatest target in drafts this year because he got a huge receiving workload. He is definitely due, if you look at his workload, for touchdown regression, positive touchdown regression. He only scored three touchdowns. Um, but the problem is the Jaguars try to trade them all off season. I know there's this talk in this narrative that, oh, they're going to just run them into the ground. Maybe that happens, but at the same time, they've already had to discipline Fournette themselves in, th- in the first couple of years of his career. I can't remember if it was year one or year two, but the team suspended him, not the league for missing meetings and things he's had. There's been internal strife there. Um, and now they've gone and they, they've brought in Jay Gruden. He's added. Chris Thompson, who was a guy he always used as a pass catching back and Gruden going back to his Bengals days, used Giovanni Bernard as a pass catching back. So the hundred targets are going away. Almost certainly you, you're going to have a pass catching back in Jacksonville. Now, especially when you add in LaVisca Chenault, who will probably play some uh, around the short area of the field and might even mix into the backfield. They've talked about using him creatively. There's just almost no way that Leonard Fournette gets another hundred very low efficiency targets like he got last year. So he's this early down runner now, but also one who the team doesn't like, doesn't want around, has had problems with in the past. I don't buy that they're going to just run him into the ground. I think this team's going to be out of it by midseason, and they might just deactivate him. They might trade him. They might whatever. They, they might just move on and see what they have in Rykel Armstead and the rest of the group. I don't think anyone – like this is a perfect example of August workload expectation not like people not recognizing what that means for what can happen in season. This is a team that might just give up on Leonard Fournette halfway through the year. And you have to factor that in. Like he's not someone I'll draft anywhere. Do you think Ronald Jones will be better than Leonard Fournette this year? Um, 
I think there's a chance Leonard Fournette gets given up on halfway through the year. So like, I, I, if you're telling me Fournette's playing 16 games, probably yeah. Fournette will get more. We'll, we'll get more work and I would probably take Fournette at that point. I think it would come out higher in my projections, even though I'm very optimistic on Jones, but so I, yeah, it's a tough question to answer directly, but mm-hmm. I would still draft, frankly, draft uh, Ronald Jones ahead of him. Okay. Uh, before we move on, uh, just because Ben brought up the name. Uh, so I was talking to uh, Pete Prisco today and he said he spoke to somebody in Jacksonville and they are in love with LaVisca Chenault. Of course Absolutely they are. in love <laughs> with Chenault and uh, somebody told him a young Andre Johnson. Ooh, nice. Now I'm choking because I took a drink because Jamie said Pete Prisco. And this is what <laughs> I get <coughs> for making fun of Jamie. Jamie, who's your biggest bust? Uh, it's Derek Henry. I mean, I, I, I'll i stick with the same sentiment that I've said all along. Uh, it's just really, it's kind of like what he said. He's, he's going too high in my opinion. Um, I'm worried about the workload from last year with the 400 touches when you factor in the playoffs. I'm worried about the offensive line being worse without Jack Conklin there. And now they're rookie, not 100%. Um, I do think we're going to see them uh, have to throw a little bit more, as Ben has talked about, based on their pace of play and their amount of times that they have not thrown. So his lack of work in the passing game, it's more a PPR versus non-PPR argument because you can take him in the first round in non-PPR. But I think it's the back end of the first round, not the top end of the first round. Um, but in PPR, I think, you know, we saw it last year, the first eight games, he was averaging under 14 PPR points per game. That puts him closer to the number two running back than it does to a top five guy. And that's the concern for me. So uh, in our two quarterback draft, I actually drafted him for the first time. Um, this was a draft we did on Tuesday, but it's because I got him around three. And so uh, that's with all the quarterbacks getting pushed up. That's never going to happen. I understand that. Um, but, you know, if you put him in round two and this is the back end of round two, I would take him there. Um, but I- I'm, I'm just concerned about Derrick Henry living up to the lofty expectations based on the eight games that he did, the way that he performed in those eight games, which were historic last year. So you are going to still take Miles Sanders over Derrick Henry? In PPR, yes. In non-PPR, no. I, I think Sanders is is now behind him, you know, just based on uh, the, the potential injury risk. All right. We got more busts coming up later in the show, and we got to get to the news and notes. Remember, we have a mailbag coming up later this week, and we're also... Uh, we got another episode on Thursday, so a lot of content coming your way. And hopefully you're listening on Stitcher. Stitcher's a great app, great partner for us. And uh, if you don't, you know, if you're not happy with your podcast app, check out Stitcher. They're awesome. And, you know, it's it's sports time right now. They have a new collection on their homepage of the app for the return of sports where we've got Fantasy Baseball Today and Pick 6 being promoted. They're featured there. Stitcher makes it incredibly easy to build playlists of your favorite podcasts. You can download Stitcher for free in the App Store today. Let me tell you something else we have coming up this week. We've got an AMA and Ask Me Anything with Jamie. Jamie and I are going to be on that on tomorrow night, Thursday night on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today, 7 p.m. Eastern. Ask Jamie Eisenberg anything. Ask what him, talk about? Ask him who his cousin, Jesse Eisenberg, would play if the, they made a fantasy football today movie because he'd probably play me because I have more in common with Jesse than Jamie does. Uh, you do? I think so. I mean, one of our listeners said that Jesse Eisenberg should play me, and I thought that was a great idea. No, you know, we can ask him. Maybe Jesse, can Jesse pop on the AMA? I can ask. Yeah, that'd be fun. Okay. Uh, Also, you should be playing on CBSSports.com. If you're a real fantasy football player, like you love fantasy football, you want a league that you can customize, you want awesome scoring, you want to play multiple teams each week, something like that, 
Uh, play on CBSSports.com. Get our commissioner product. It's for serious fantasy football players. To the news and notes, ESPN's Mike Rice thinks that Reese, Reese, Reese. every time, every time. Bowden, Bowden, it's okay. Yeah. Mike Reese thinks that the Patriots could use a quarterback rotation early in the season. Drop Cam Newton? Not yet, but uh, I actually uh, dealt with this in a uh, reporter's um, scenario once upon a time. Me and another reporter were going back and forth. covering No, um, the Florida Gators in, two, in 1997... <laughs> Uh, after they won their national championship, when Danny Werfel left, it was Jesse Palmer of ESPN and the bachelor fame and Rex Grossman and Doug Johnson, oh. um, who was probably the better of the two at the time, uh, rotating in and out every other snap. And wow. that team was good, but it was frustrating because they lost some key games, but the quarterback situation I think was awful. Um, you know, because you, you don't get anybody in the rhythm. The quarterbacks hated it. And it was it was bad, but uh, I could see Bill Belichick doing something screwy like that, you know, just to eliminate the huddle, and you just have the quarterback run in with the play, and and it's almost like a uh, you know up tempo offense. But it'd be weird with that personnel. Um, but in any event, um, I, I would hate to see that. Absolutely hate to see that. And in in a two quarterback league, guys, do you move Cam Newton down your rankings because he's riskier and you can't just replace him on the waiver wire? A little bit. I have him ahead of uh, Goff by one spot in our two quarterback draft uh, yesterday that we're actually playing out. I took Goff ahead of Newton for that exact reason. Uh, I don't think that's true because I'm pretty sure I took Goff in that one. Okay, sorry. Then it was a super flex. (laughs) It was the mock, right? The mock, yeah. It was the mock, sorry. But I know I I think I had that same decision to make and I did take Goff over Cam. I I made that exact decision for that exact reason yesterday. Wrong draft. Right. See, I I would... Maybe take a different, the other side of it, but I would be more inclined to take a third quarterback sooner. Yeah, that could work too. Uh, Heath, Mike, uh, Matt Nagy, he's not really saying that Mitchell Trubisky's gotten better, and he's saying that this quarterback competition is going to play out as as long as he can, going to stretch it out. Give me a quick read on the Bears. Uh, it's not great. Like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have zero quarterbacks. And I still have Trubisky projected. I don't think they were very happy with the fact that Foles hasn't really seen any of his wide receivers until camp opened up. And they're probably hoping that Foles will form some sort of connection, but it's a gross situation. Who's the quarterback's coach for the Bears? Uh, it is Filippo, right? Who yeah, used was to with, coach Foles. Who was with Nick Foles in Jacksonville last year. And in uh, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, they have a lot. They have a lot of of connections. It's Nick Foles. He's going to be the guy. But they benched Nick Foles for Gardner Minshew last year with DeFilippo coaching too, right? And then they fired DeFilippo. Yeah, but he was coming back from a collarbone injury, so. Yeah. All right, Dalvin Cook broke off contract talks with Minnesota. Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson shared first-team reps in a scrimmage. And Bryce Love got first-team reps with Adrian Peterson sitting. So does that give you some insight on the Chargers and the Redskins backfields with Jackson ahead of... I mean, it's not a surprise, right? Oh, sorry. The Washington Washington football team. Justin Jackson. (laughs) 
sharing Justin Jackson and Bryce Love getting first team reps in their respective backfields. Pardon Love me. being ahead of Peyton Barber at this point is really intriguing to yes. me. Like we talked about, we really like him uh, if he's healthy and he's back. He was second in the Heisman his junior year and then had a really injury riddled senior year at Stanford. Uh, a lot of people didn't think he should go back to school. He decided to, and then he tore his ACL on the last play of the season on top of the the earlier injuries that he dealt with. Um, and they drafted him in the fourth round still, or fifth round or whatever. I think it was fourth, fourth. round, yep. knowing that he was going to sit the whole off season or a whole last season. So if he's back from that ACL tear uh, and good to go, I mean, there, and the fact that he's getting first team work behind Adrian Peterson, we can't expect Peterson at 35 to, you know, to carry 250 times. I mean, maybe, maybe he'll carry 150 times and that will limit love, but um, we don't really know what we're getting out of Antonio Gibson. I think this makes Bryce Love pretty interesting. You have to assume at some point, because they're going to be a bad team, that uh, when they start to really just look at their young guys. And, you know, uh, Peterson, I'm sure, you know, Ron Rivera is an old school coach. He's going to do all the right things. We've said this before. Peyton Barber, same thing. You heard their running backs coach say he's a pro's pro. So they'll give those guys opportunities. But if you're looking at 2021 and beyond, Bryce Love and Antonio Gibson should be their backfield, you know, unless they just decide to go a different route and find somebody that has a different pedigree. But, you know, I, I, if I'm Washington, I'm trying to see what these guys have to offer, especially once the season goes South, which we expect that to happen earlier rather than later though. So, uh, you know, I, I would much rather draft Bryce love than draft Adrian Peterson this year. Yeah. So how would you rank these three guys right now? Josh Kelly, Justin Jackson, Bryce love. Love Kelly Jackson for me. I, I, I still like Kelly better than Jackson. Uh, part of that report, that you're referencing Adam is uh, the reporter said that Jackson should get the opportunity to start, but he's going to have a short leash to be that Melvin Gordon replacement. And, and I use that word loosely, that term loosely, that phrase loosely. Right. Right. Um, but I still think Kelly is the more talented of the two. So I would rather have Kelly, but you know, if you want to get the the guy that's going to have the first opportunity, you can take Jackson first, but I'll, I'll go love Kelly Jackson. All right, guys, let's fire through the rest of these notes here. Um, Irv Smith is been lining up outside more, according to The Athletic. That's Minnesota's tight end. Here are some players who are getting some love, either from their coaches or their teammates or reporters or whatever. Paris Campbell for the Colts, rookie wide receiver Van Jefferson for the Rams, and Josh Allen from Cole Beasley, his teammate. So that's good. Dante Pettis as well for the San Francisco 49ers. Anything really newsworthy there with Paris Campbell, Van Jefferson, Josh Allen... Dante Pettis, and maybe there's someone I missed, but uh, any preseason hype, Heath, that matters to you? I don't know. Like, I haven't moved any of those guys yet. I mean, it's interesting, and if it continues to build over a week or two, then it might be something, but I not really know. Campbell is, for me, very interesting. Um, we know Rivers really liked Keenan Allen out of the slot, and I think Campbell's pretty much locked in there. People really like Michael Pittman. I think, I've, I've said I think he might have to compete a little bit with Zach Pascal on the outside. Uh, or Pascal, uh, that's one I always get wrong. But Campbell is, uh, I think, if he keeps getting hype in the slot there, I'll be interested. It, it, it's funny, though, because Michael Pittman's also getting a lot of hype, you know, so you wonder who's out hyping who <laughs> of, of, of the two young receivers. T.Y. Hilton has as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the running backs, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Everything's it, it's, great. it's a very good situation right now with, you know, better quarterback play. You know, everybody's starting to look better and, uh, Jonathan Taylor as well, you know, so, um, uh, Heath, Heath and I were talking before, uh, our HQ show today about Marlon Mack is working maybe a little bit more in the passing game and it could be Naheem Hines is the odd man out if, if they decide to do that. I know I, I said that earlier this off season that maybe that's a route that they go, but, um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I think one that's, that's interesting. You didn't mention Adam. Uh, it seems as if this is from our, our former colleague, Matt Tabik, who now works for the Falcons. He had a notebook on the Falcons site that Edo Smith looks like the second back. So I know we've been talking about that because clearly Gurley's knee issue, non-issue, whatever the, the case may be, that if you are talking about deeper leagues that maybe you, you know, you stash Edo Smith on your bench just to see, because I think by talent, he's better than Brian Hill and Kadri Allison. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. All right, fellas, let's get into some more busts. I'm going to go to Jamie first. He had Derek. Jamie had a pretty star-studded list. Derek Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen. Uh, let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins. I'm starting to fear that I've gone a little bit too far with DeAndre Hopkins. Like, who did I took Juju over him? Um, and maybe that's a mistake, but he's going 13th overall, wide receiver four on Fantasy Pros, 19th overall, wide receiver five on NFC. Where do you think DeAndre Hopkins should go, Jamie? Back into round two. He's at, uh, last time I checked, which was on uh, Monday, he's uh, 22nd player overall on our site. So, you know, I think that's a fair spot for him. Um, you know, I, I think he should be anywhere between wide receiver six and wide receiver 10, you know, if you're if you're looking at it. And, and you can make a case for some other guys ahead of him. I just think they're going to spread the ball out too much. You know, this is a, a receiving core that they're not going to completely go away from Larry Fitzgerald. Christian Kirk is too talented to not be heavily involved. We've spent a lot of time talking about him and, and, and Ben certainly has, you know, been singing his praises, rightfully so. They're going to throw to their running backs. I don't think they're going to avoid Dan Arnold too, who showed them something at the end of the season. So if they're not going to, you know, have this huge spike in pass attempts, which I don't know if it's necessarily going to be the case, because I think their offensive line is going to be better. Their run game is going to be better. I don't think their defense is going to be as bad as it was last year. So, um, I think it's going to be hard for him to get north of 140 targets. I know that's where Heath hasn't projected for. I don't know where you come out on it, Ben. Um, Dave keeps saying uh, 150 plus. If he's in the 150 target range, he's going to be a top five receiver again. He's too, too he's too good. But if he's not getting 150 targets, he's still going to be you know 85 catches, uh, you know 1,100 1, yards and and seven to eight touchdowns. You know, it, it's a good number to receiver. He's just not. I'm uh, sorry, uh, a low-end number one receiver, just not a uh, top-five guy anymore. Well, all right, so DeAndre Hopkins, right? Last year was not a great year for him. Like, the rate stats weren't great, I guess. But let's say he does perform like he did in 2018. It was 2000, what was it, 15, 17, and 18. DeAndre Hopkins was elite. So let's give him his 2018 fantasy points per target and then give him 130 targets. Okay, where would he have finished? In 2018, if he had only had 130 targets, he would have been the number 10 wide receiver in fantasy. But that was a tremendous year for wide receivers. So if he, let's see if you can follow this. Based on his 2018 per target, points per target, where would he have finished in 2019 with 130 targets? He would have been number five. Would have been basically as good as Julio Jones last year. So what I'm saying is, Peak DeAndre Hopkins with 130 targets would have been a number five, would have been the number five wide receiver last year. Would have been the number 10 wide receiver two years ago in a great, great year for wide receivers. Uh, what does that, if anything, mean to you? That he, like Because if he gets 140 targets, you're, you probably, if he's as good as he was in 2018, 17, 15, you're probably talking about a, wide, a top five wide receiver and a great sure. stud. Sure, but I, I think... I don't know if he's still that guy. I mean, you know, the yards per catch is, is it where he was running or is it what he's able to do now, you know, after he has the ball in his hands? Uh, there's some concern that, uh, you know, coming out of Houston, 
that maybe there was a little bit of a knee issue. That's part of the reason why they traded him. Uh, you have the hamstring issue. That's that's a problem now. Um, I'll go back to his second year in the NFL when he had 127 targets. He had 76 catches that year. He had 1,210 yards. So he's up, you know, basically 16 yards per catch and six touchdowns. I'd bump him up a little bit in terms of the receptions over 76. And let's say he stays in the same yardage range, the same touchdowns range. He's good. He's just not great. Okay. Take uh, Kittle over him? I would, yes. All right. Juju? I'm not there yet. Gotcha. But I, the one that I struggle with right now is honestly DJ Moore. Because I feel like DJ Moore is a higher ceiling. I just haven't have it. I just don't have it ranked that way. Heath and Ben, you're taking more over Hopkins, right? Yep. Yep. And I did in our pick by pick, but then I also said that might be the pick I regret. And it was partly because I took him over Hopkins. All right. Let's talk about this big group of running backs that Ben wants to highlight. Heath has Melvin Gordon, who is a round three running back, maybe into round four. He's about RB. He's eight, RB 18 on Fantasy Pros, RB 15 on NFC. And Ben submitted this as a bust. At least half of the Bell, Gurley, Gordon, Connor, Carson, David Johnson group. All right. So and I put Fournette aside because Fournette is an even bigger Special bust. bust. Yeah. <laughs> Super duper bust. Well, I guess we should start the conversation with Melvin Gordon, but that whole group for Ben of Bell, Gurley, Gordon, Connor, Carson, and David Johnson, at least half will be a bust. But, but Heath, why don't you kick it off with, with Melvin Gordon? That's an interesting way to approach it. Like you just choose six players in a range and say half of them will be a bust. And <laughs> you're probably going to be right. Um, no, I but didn't you I, do that with the rookie running backs though. I just, no, I'd mostly just call them all a bust. I think. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. We'll just, I think the problem with Melvin Gordon is like, it's been pretty clear early in camp. He's sharing with Philip Lindsay a lot on early downs. And I don't think this is going to be a situation where he gets a chance at having even 250 touches. He'll catch some passes, but I don't think he's going to be any sort of feature role. I don't think this offense is as good as the one he's been in with the chargers where he could, you know, share with Austin Eckler and still be an awesome fantasy option. So those two things combined, I am out in the third round. Does anybody like Melvin Gordon? I go back and forth. I, you know, I, I think if he's the guy even in a shared situation, because he's I'm like, like he's been in a shared situation essentially, you know, the last two seasons with Eckler last year for sure, and, and for a good portion of 2018. Um, I still think he's their lead guy. I still think he's going to be the one that plays on passing downs. Um, I do like the fact that Pat Shermer is the coordinator there because he tends to feature one guy more so than two. Um, and he's been, you know, very good in the passing game and working at the goal line. So I think those two things are in his favor. It's just a matter of how much work will Lindsay get because Lindsay's a very talented guy as well. I, so, yeah, Ben, you talk a lot about high-value touches, and that's something that I keep coming back to on Melvin Gordon because, yes, I do think he's going to split and probably more than he split with Eckler last year because Eckler only had, I think, seven, 76 carries. 76 carries in those 12 games that Gordon played. He was on pace for 101 carries. I think we'd expect Philip Lindsay to get more than that. But I is Gordon going to get those magical 50 catches? That's always a good thing. It's a good chance. Is he going to get the goal line work? Yeah, I, I would say get a lot of it. Um, so doesn't that help his cause a lot? Well, there's a lot of a lot of discussion right now about them splitting 50-50 in rep. 
uh, in in practice so far. But also, you have to recognize. I, I think you're too optimistic that he gets 50 catches. You have to recognize that the Chargers, where he's played for most of his career, from a team level, have been very, very good in, in um, creating high value touches, which has a lot to do with Philip Rivers. It's a big reason I'm on the Colts offense. Um, I'm looking at this stuff in terms of team level stuff. I don't think individual, like I'm probably more in the camp that not that running backs are completely replaceable, but that a lot of their skill sets are, um, similar. They're all really, really good in the NFL. And it's more about what their offense can do and who the players around them and how their offense is built and those types of things. Gordon's in a completely new offense right now. Yeah, but it's a good offense. I mean, isn't, isn't it's good, Pat, it's a good offense for pass catching running backs. I mean, Pat Shermer, if you want to look at his history, um, has been really good with that. His recent it has a history. chance to be good offense. There, there's there's a lot of variables, but it does have a chance to be good offense. I, I think it has absolutely has a chance to be good. I don't think we can call it good. I don't think we know anything about Drew Locke. They didn't address backup quarterback. I've talked about this before. They brought in Jeff Driscoll, who was fine, but he was a scrambling quarterback. He wasn't going to be good. He's not going to be good for passes uh, to the running backs if he plays at all. So Locke has to be good, and he has to throw to his running backs at a high rate. Those are things we don't know. We're just assuming we know when we draft Melvin Gordon in the third round. And I, I really don't think we can we can say that he's going to be upper half in terms of like green zone, you know, rush attempts, goal line rush attempts. If he splits them at all with Lindsey, and I don't think this offense is probably going to be upper half in terms of generating those types of high value t- uh, touchdown uh, type type uh, rush attempts really close to the end zone. I don't think this offense is going to be upper half in that, or at least I don't think we can assume that. I, I think there's a lot more downside there for Gordon. Do you guys think Philip Lindsey is better than Melvin Gordon? No, no. I think he is as a rusher. I absolutely think he is as a rusher right now this season. Okay. So who else from that group? Uh, let me ask you this: uh, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell. Hold on, let me just find it in the notes. Who else was in it? Chris Carson, James Conner, David Johnson. Was that the group? Yeah. Yeah. Bell and Gurley. Oh, and Gurley. The other two. Bell and Gurley are tough ones for me. Bell, the the best shape of his life stuff is starting to. Uh-oh. Make me pay a little bit of Uh-oh. attention. I can't. I, I can't <laughs> lie. And and Gurley, I've already talked about his role seems pretty good. But the the broader point of this group, and he, you know, made his point that I'm saying at least half of a group of six people doesn't, you know, is whatever. Here's what I'll say: Don't draft any of them. Draft none of them. One of these guys is probably going to be good. Maybe two, and and maybe if you're lucky, three aren't complete busts. But I also think if I'm flat out saying six third to fourth round picks, uh, this group of running backs, and I'm including Fournette in it. Uh, then it's seven and probably four of them are going to be flat out busts that will hurt your team that you will absolutely regret drafting. That's a pretty firm statement. And I should, I would say the reason that I framed it this way, you should draft none of them because of that. You don't want to just try to get lucky at a guy who's a small hit, but could be a huge miss for your team. I hear that, man. That's, that's why I like the back end of the first round. Get two studs. Um, uh, Well, okay. Yeah. Heath, my f- go ahead, you know, go ahead. Like, I don't necessarily disagree with like the David Johnson side of that, and I obviously agree with the Melvin Gordon side of that. Um, I just just for me that Connor and Carson are in a different group. Um, they are on, I think, pretty definitively good offenses. They their teams have given them a ton of work in the past. I don't think there's somebody at either roster that's going to take it from them. So they could still get hurt and bust. Um, but I don't think that Carson and Connor are very likely in the third round to be play most of the season busts. Like they could be one of the injury busts and any running back could, and I don't, but I don't, those two are in a different group for me than even Le'Veon Bell and Johnson and Gurley and those guys. 
I think the thing about it is if we see these guys fall to round four, then it becomes a different conversation. I agree. Because round three, like you're passing on some really great wide receiver talent. Round four, there's still good wide receivers on the board, but it makes it a little bit safer to take a chance on one of those guys because then you still, the the, the guys you're still able to get round five should, should be okay. But if they do, you know, if you do hit, one, like Ben said, if you hit on the one or two guys that are good or aren't bust, those aren't bad number two running backs considering what you got with your first three picks or hopefully got with your first three picks. You know, James Conner has had more than 16 carries once in his last 15 games. So, I, look, you can live with 15, 16 carries a game, but he never gets 20 carries. He did once last year, and then he missed the next two games with an injury. It's highly unlikely that's happening this year. What's happening? Him getting 20 carries a game. Not 20 carries a game, but I mean, it, it just doesn't happen. I mean... Sometimes you'd like a guy to have a 20. Oh, he had 22 carries today. That just doesn't happen with James Conner. It's happened one time in his last 15 games. Um, and then... But are, yeah, he's had a decent are, receiving role, too. Yeah, well, that's... Well, that, yeah, I was going to bring that up. Part. I mean, is he going to get all the all the catches? What's Benny Snell's role? How confident are you in the touches for Conner? It sounds like he's very confident. I'm not. And that's probably the the difference between putting him in, in that group. I, I Look, I, I think he's fine with what he just said to, to think that Connor and Carson are in a different group. I, I have no real issue with that. Those are guys I've considered. My approach is uh, based on historical data, based on their ADP, based on what I look at, these types of guys don't typically have a lead upside. And I don't try to pick and choose who I think have the best situation. I just don't take any of them. I, and I think that's where I get confused on that because like fourth round ADP, um, outside of the top 16 or 17 running backs. I get that, but I think we're stretching that now into early third round ADP being drafted as a top 15 running back. And I don't think that fits the same group based on the historical, based on my understanding of what you, of what you wrote yeah. was that like most of these have not come from rounds four through nine. Mo- generally the community will know if a guy has a role and he'll be drafted as a top 16 running back. Yeah. Who among these guys are dra- getting drafted in the, in, in the top, I think I think Connor is, isn't he? Uh, I guess, yeah, I guess. Uh, lately he's been RB 16. That's not they're yeah. right, yeah. He and Gordon, they're right on the cusp. Let's see. So, here's when you get to if I look at NFC from August on Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards, Eler, Todd Gurley 15, Melvin Gordon 16, Fournette, Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, James Connor's RB 20. Okay, so he's lower. Like on our side, I think he's like 22 or something. So I think the way I would answer that, he, just to get into the nuts and bolts of my take a little bit, and, and you're right about what you just said about where the this dead zone starts. But for me, I, I'm guessing that because it's kind of like either the community and, the, and the, the wisdom of the crowds of average draft position is telling us that we like these guys or not. For me this year, I'm identifying the gap between Nick Chubb at RB14, whose ADP is 16.7, and Melvin Gordon at RB15, whose ADP is 28.9. It's more than a full round later. That the, the 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 ADP trends are pretty clear that there's 14 running backs that we like as first and second round running backs. And then there's a whole bunch of other guys that nobody wants to necessarily draft in the second round. They go there sometimes, but they're just the next backs. And there's a, a whole round gap there. That's to me where we're like, okay, now we're getting into the uncertain players. And what I mentioned on the running back preview is that in the last three seasons, there have been 18 running backs selected in round three. According to Fantasy Football Calculator, half PPR, 18 running backs. Ten of them finished outside the top 24. Eight of them finished outside the top 30. 
only three of the 18 finished as top 10 running backs. That was Fournette and Carlos Hyde in 2017 and Aaron Jones in 2019. That really stood out to me. Now, look, there have been obviously running back some round four, some round five, but you don't find a lot of top 10 running backs, it seems, in rounds three, four, and five. Um, so that does sort of support it does support Ben's theory. I, I know I, I said this previously though. It just feels like the the early push on running backs in the first two rounds is pushing these guys up a little bit based on where they should be going. You know, people are panicking, and so mm-hmm. it's it's like why why do you panic? If you don't like them, don't take them. Yeah, you know, I see. I think what, like what would be most equitable is if it went to a lot of receivers in rounds three, at least like the middle of round three and on in round four. And then these guys would go in like round five, round six. And if they went there, I would be fine with taking them. I think that's where you would start to get into some interesting discussions about Le'Veon Bell or, uh, you know, some of the, the maybe later on wide receivers that aren't at like, they're not the Terry McLaurin's, but they're the, the Tyler Boyd's. And then you're like, okay, well, I think that's a fair balance. Le'Veon Bell or Tyler Boyd in terms of value. That would be my, that's where I would stand. Let's right, get a couple more people, here. Sorry. Just people look at the workload potential and that's where they got. Yep. Okay. I could see, Maybe not top 10 running back, but top 12, top 14, top 16. And that's where you kind of fall into that trap. Trap. Good word to use there because we got to talk about Raheem Mostert. He's a bust for Ben. RB25 in Fantasy Pros, RB23 on NFC. Raheem Mostert is a round five pick going before David Montgomery, Devin Singletary, Mark Ingram. And I'm going to throw DeAndre Swift in there. He's going a little bit after that. Round six, he's... uh, Outside the top 24, RB27 on Fantasy Pros, RB29 on NFC. Heath has DeAndre Swift listed as a bust. So, okay, no Mostert for Ben, no Swift for Heath. Heath, why not DeAndre Swift? And I did just draft DeAndre Swift yesterday, I think, but um, or in our pick-by-pick series, but that was in the middle of round six, and his ADP doesn't suggest that happens very often. I just think, like, unlike Jonathan Taylor, whereas if he gets 15 touches a game. I'm pretty sure he's going to be very good. I don't know what the upside is in the Detroit offense for a running back. And I do think carry on Johnson's is still a talented back. And if he stays healthy, he causes major problems for Deandre Swift. We had another uh, conversation about Deandre Swift on HQ with the report. I don't know if you said this yesterday, Adam or not, but um, on the show, I wasn't on, but uh, the lions there's I think two separate reports about his role in the passing game. I think somebody compared him to Alvin Kamara. Right. Um, and, and Dave said uh, 50 catches, Keith, right? I believe 50 catches. Yeah. I said, he, I said, I don't think he's going to be a 40 catch guy. You said and, 20, 25, I think, right? Yeah. Right. And, and Dave said like, Dave jumped right on, uh, on Heath and said 2020, he's catching 50. <laughs> so um uh, I, I think he's going to need carry on Johnson to be hurt for that to happen for him to get to 50 catches. But if Hawkinson's ankles aren't right and he's the third guy in the passing game, again, I think carry on has to be out for that to happen completely, but, uh, you know, forties potential, which would help a lot. You know, he's, he's a good pass catcher. He showed that at Georgia. Um, but he's not going to hit his ceiling if, if carry on Johnson's healthy. I just don't see that happening. Like Taylor can kick Marlon Mack, off the field for extended stretches. I don't know if that's going to be the case with Swift and Johnson. Okay, so Heath, who are some running backs you take ahead of DeAndre Swift? Um, I would take Raheem Mostert, except for in that's the situation I was in most recently. Um, I would take a lot all of the guys that we just talked about as potential busts. I would take David Montgomery. 
Um, I would even take Ronald Jones over him. All right. Raheem Mostert, Ben. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think his, the case against him is pretty quick and, and easy. He was just really efficient as a runner last year, but he didn't even necessarily get a lot of the, the goal line work. I think Tevin Coleman really outshined him there and probably will continue to outshine him there based on what we saw last year. And they started Tevin Coleman in the Super Bowl, even when Mostert had that monster NFC championship game where Coleman got hurt. Um, so he's splitting the early down work. And now we also know that Jarek McKinnon is, is potentially, you know, is shining and is potentially going to have a pass catching role. So we know the fact that Mostert didn't catch really any passes last year isn't likely to turn around either. They still use Kyle Jusek in the passing game. They, they brought in Jordan Reed as a second tight end for short area targets. Um, the, the, Mostert is you're getting only early down work. He's a total trap back and you're hoping that he's very efficient as a runner. I just can't, I, I can't get there anywhere close to his round five ADP. Jamie, you have a couple of wide receivers listed as busts. Amari Cooper and Keenan Allen. Cooper is 33rd overall on Fantasy Pros, 38th overall on NFC. He's wide receiver 13 on Fantasy Pros. He's wide receiver 18 on NFC. Going ahead of Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown. That's Amari Cooper. And then Keenan Allen has become a round five pick, just barely inside the top 24 at wide receiver. Um, Go ahead with Cooper and Allen. If that's where Allen's going, then I think it's okay. Um, but I, I've seen him go a little bit too soon on our site uh, based on the ADP there where he's still a top 18 wide receiver. And that's just, I don't think, realistic given the quarterback change. For Cooper, I think we saw a guy last year have the the tail of two halves. We know he's going to have some big games and some bad games. But he was playing for a contract last year. And I don't know if he's going to have those little aches and pains that maybe cause him to sit more so than not. They have a clear, you know, uh, not replacement, but another option that they could use in the passing game. And I think you're going to find, uh, this is no surprise, C.D. Lamb's going to be an upgrade over Randall Cobb. So uh, I think he just comes down a little bit. He's still a number two receiver. You still draft him in round four. I would not take him in round three. Um, I'd probably lean toward those other running backs over Mark Cooper, to be honest with you, just because I think, you know, if you're talking about what has the uh, better chance to help your fantasy team, if one of those, you know, the two of the six that, you know, Ben is referencing, um, versus taking Cooper over some of those receivers that are going behind him, I just don't think that's worth it. Heath, oh, sorry. Uh, oh, you, you cover both of them. There you go. Heath, Zach Ertz, 41st overall on Fantasy Pros, 56th overall on NFC. And on both websites, he is tight end four. And on both websites, he's at least 11 picks ahead of tight end five, which is Darren Waller. So I don't know. Maybe it just depends on where you're drafting because I think you'd probably be okay with him 56th overall, but maybe not 41st. But you can tell me, Zach Ertz. I think 56 is about right, and it really depends on format, too. On CBS, I believe he was 43rd, and he's actually ahead of Mark Andrews. Um, In non-PPR, I'm not as excited about him. I worry that the step forward that Dallas Goddard took last year, it didn't hurt Ertz because all of the Eagles' wide receivers got hurt. But you see the games where Alshon Jeffrey played, Ertz's target share wasn't quite as good. He's never been a hyper-efficient like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews-type tight end where he does a ton on a per-target basis. So my concern is that Dallas Goddard's share of the tight end targets stays the same, but the tight end targets are likely to fall by about 20% because they were 20% higher last year than they even were in prior years. So you could see Ertz's target share just fall down, not, not to a bad place, still over 100 targets, but not the elite number that he had last year after the receivers went down. And we saw it with Ertz. Like, he was not quite that guy until everybody got hurt. Okay, fair enough. Ben? It's picking on Ben likes to pick on Emmanuel Sanders. Something happened between Emmanuel, like Emmanuel Sanders lost Ben a championship one year. <laughs> Actually, uh, Emmanuel Sanders uh, 
mother responded to me on Twitter one time. I think I said something not very nice about him, and uh, <laughs> I felt horrible about that. Are you serious? I, I'm dead serious. I, I love Emmanuel Sanders, actually. I'm a big fan of his, but um, and I and drafted him for years, but he's 33 years old now. He's uh, about 18 months removed from that Achilles injury late in 2018. I think everyone thinks that he was very good last year, but he actually didn't even hit 45 receiving yards in 13 of the 20 games he played across two different teams, including the playoffs. Um, and I don't think he broke like 70 yards in, in like something like 15 of the games. So there's really only like five games where he had good games and they were splash games. He had some big plays and big moments, but he was pretty quiet at times. And yes, he was joining new teams throughout the year, all those things. The bigger concern for me, and this is why I, I just, I don't even think he should be drafted. I don't understand the round 10 thing. Since Alvin Kamara has been drafted for the last three years, no saint other than Kamara and Michael Thomas has gotten 75 targets. Even Jared Cook last year, who was good, did it on 65 targets because of huge yards per target and touchdown efficiency. And maybe Emmanuel Sanders can do that, but it's a lot easier to be reasonably good at tight end than it is to be at receiver for a guy who's 33 and has this injury in his past that I'm not confident he's the same player he was prior to it. And he's going to a team where it's really rare for a number three uh, option to actually see significant targets. I don't think his floor, his ceiling, anything justifies this pick at all. He's the biggest name value pick in all of fantasy drafts this year. So I just want to keep emphasizing that. Don't make the mistake of seeing that name and thinking Emmanuel Sanders is still the guy that, that he used to be. The we biggest had, uh, name value pick. That's interesting. Go ahead, Jamie. We had Larry Holder of The Athletic who covers the Saints on, on CBS Sports HQ. And I asked him about Emmanuel Sanders and, and what he's going to do. And, and you referenced the 75 targets. No second receivers had 70 more than 70 targets in, in those three years. Granted, it's been Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith, so take that for what it's worth because those guys are different receivers than what Emmanuel Sanders does when Sanders is right. But the average of those three guys is 54 targets a year. And so that just kind of tells you where it is. So let's say he's at 80 targets or maybe he gets to 90 targets. I don't think he's going to be north of 100. He's still not going to be productive enough based on what those other guys do in terms of Thomas, Kamara, and, and Cook. One thing Larry said, which is the thing we've been talking about a little bit, is that Sanders is based on his name value and his reputation and his resume because coaches fall in love with that. Drew Brees, I'm sure, is going to fall in love with that. And he's going to do a lot of good things that veteran players do is he's going to take away from Michael Thomas. And so the, I was reading some stuff today that uh, Drew Brees in practice, he had a couple uh, drops. And the first thing that he did after having some, some drops, he went right back to Michael Thomas. That's the guy he's going to go to when he's to make a play. But now maybe he has somebody else that he can go to to make a play. And so while his fantasy production isn't going to be great for him as a person, uh, as an individual, he's going to maybe hurt the other guys just enough that you might want to consider downgrading Thomas, not as the number one overall receiver, but just as the overall pick and maybe Cook and Kamara a little bit in the passing game also. I'm not going to do that, but I could see where it becomes a problem because of what Sanders' resume brings to the Saints that they haven't had in the last three seasons. You know who the, I think just, Fun exercise that I just did. The biggest, what did you say? Name recognition. What was it you called Emmanuel Sanders? I said name value, yeah. Name value pick. I'm going to say it's Jared Cook. Tight end 980th overall. That's yeah, too- same point. They're, like Even Cook didn't get to 75 targets last year, but he was good and he's still there. They're still going to use him. Now you have a legitimate competition for the th- number three target spot, right? Like, yeah. I don't see how someone out of those two gets anything. I think they're both overdrafted. Jared Cook like typically doesn't get drafted in our drafts when we do like our CBS little drafts unless I take him. So to see him going 80th is yeah, a little little wild. Well, I think that's it for our show. I guess we could run through the listener busts. Um bustometer 0 to 10, Josh Allen. 
Two. Seven. Whoo. That you think one. the rushing's gonna come way down? I like I think there's a chance that he, he's just yeah, he doesn't really improve as a passer and the rushing comes down. They try to throw a little bit more. The rushing's going to come down at some point. Yeah. Can I just ask I Heath, I just want to ask you a question that I know we're gonna disagree on, and I just I'm gonna laugh. Who would you rather have as your team's quarterback? Josh Allen or Tyrod Taylor? Am I hmm? Oh, like pro- probably Allen because okay. there's a hope that he becomes a thrower. Okay, um, I thought, I, I, I mean, he's a thrower agree. already, a pass, a passer. Mm-hmm. Probably Allen. I'd rather have Daniel Jones as my quarterback than Josh Allen. Oh, well, that's very nice. Nice to hear that. Uh, how about Nick Chubb? Zero to ten on the, <laughs> the Giants uh, fan busto meter. Nick Chubb, four. Yeah, four. Six. Michael Thomas. One. Two. One. Clyde Edwards Zeller. Negative ten. Seven. <laughs> Negative. Seven for uh, me. five. Seven. Man, I you know what? We gotta pick this up. We gotta talk about these guys like more in depth at the beginning of another show. Um, I'll do one more. Austin Eckler. Five. Four. Ding. I'll say at least six, maybe seven is what I was thinking, but I, I'm interested in he's five there. I want to hear that take too. Me too, because I thought I thought he loved Austin Eckler. Yeah. I mean, I think most of the running backs in the back half of the first round are in that range. Um, we just talked about how half the picks in the first round busted last year, and running backs are more likely to get For hurt injury. than wide receivers. But it's and just injury. so like I think Eckler's less likely to bust than Clyde Edwards Elair because Eckler's done it okay all right we're out of here thanks for listening everybody another episode for you tomorrow another episode the day after that remember apple podcast questions and emails at fantasyfootballcbsi.com thanks to ben keith and jamie i always have to think about who was just on the show with me which is weird i've been talking to them for an hour uh make sure you're watching fantasy football today on hq live noon eastern monday through friday download the hq app or watch cbssportshq.com i'm adam azer we'll talk to you MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.